You're listening to 1 Thessalonians, a sermon series about finding hope and understanding in a hopeless world. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah? Good to see you today. Good to see you. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's good to be alive. Yup, it is. It's good to be alive. In the words of the great theologian Pitt Bull, you know, he said every day above ground is a great day. It's good to be alive. It really is. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. If you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church. And uh, before we get to the message, let me make just one announcement. I know uh, Pastor Josh just kind of gave you all some information. But uh, the one announcement I just want to remind you guys about is that next Sunday is a big day for the Christian community. Guess what next Sunday is? Easter Sunday, we get together and we're going to celebrate the death, uh, the burial, but also the resurrection, amen, of Jesus Christ. And that gets me excited, that gets me pumped up. And so uh, we need you guys to help us out. We're going to be having two services next week, one at 9 and one at 11. And so if you could go ahead and start praying for those services, we want God to move, we want God to change hearts. Uh, And so also what we need you to do is invite people, okay? We got some invite cards on the table right there on your way out. You can pick up. uh, And so don't just invite people, though. Bring them. Do whatever it takes to get them here. Tell them you'll buy them a 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra. Tell them you'll give them a dollar. And then when they come and you don't do those things, just say, I'm sorry. I'm glad you came. Uh, But get them here, right? We want God's house to be full. We're just really believing God's going to do some great things. But that's really all I wanted to remind you of next week is Easter. Very excited, very excited. So let's get to the message we are wrapping up a series on 1 Thessalonians today. Everybody say boo. Yep, I'm just as devastated as you are. I really have. I've enjoyed this study. I've enjoyed this study. Really, God has used it to grow me and tr- really to uh, just kind of help me trust him more. Uh, but what we're going to be talking about today is our mindset. We're going to be talking about having the right mindset. What is our mindset? I'm glad you asked. Our mindset is basically the default attitude that we have, the, the default attitude that the people around you have. Now, how many of you know a negative Nancy? You know a negative Nancy? Don't point if they're sitting next to you. What about this, a Debbie Downer? You know a Debbie Downer, right? Those, those folks exist if you're, you know, you're sitting beside somebody and you're going right there. That's, it happens. But we know, we know people who really are like that. There are some people who always just seem down and they always seem uh, upset. And when you look at them, they just kind of have this face, you know? Y'all know, y'all seen the face? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. So they're out there. A couple weeks ago, man and I, we went to KFC, man. I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's finger licking good. They got that grilled chicken and that original chicken, that original recipe. How many of y'all like that? Woo, it's good. Praise God. Uh, but anyway, so I like KFC, but we go, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, we went to KFC. And so we go to KFC and when we get there, we're in line and it's our turn to obviously place our order. And so the lady on the other side of the register, uh, you could tell she's having a bad day or maybe she was just in one of those moods, you know what I'm saying? And so she doesn't even say anything to us. Uh, and so I'm kind of like, is it our turn to order? And so, uh, you know, she didn't say anything. And so finally she said, uh, can I have your order? But she wasn't looking at me, you know? And so she had one of these things on her face. So I thought she might be talking to the people at the drive-thru. Y'all ever, you know what I'm talking about? 
what are they called? Walkie-talkie, whatever. Anyway, so uh, so she's she's on that thing, or she I, she's talking on that thing. I thought, and so uh, I didn't say anything, and so she says, "Can I help you?" And she said a little more with sass that time, you know. And so I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." And so I asked her how she was doing, but she wouldn't even look at me. You know, she wouldn't even look at me. So again, I'm still confused on whether or not she's actually talking to me or she's talking to somebody else. And so uh, I kind of look back at Amanda, and then I look back at the, you know, kind of give Amanda a look, but then I look back at the lady at the KFC with big eyes. I'm like, y'all ever do stuff like that when people don't pay attention to you? So I'm like looking at her with real big eyes, and I place my order like this, you know, and then still nothing. And so I'm thinking, man, this lady really, she, somebody needs to give her a hug. She's just having a real bad day. And so I'm looking at her like this, and so, I, you know, I place, I place my order and then she's like, still, I mean, the whole time I got these big eyes trying to make her smile, you know? And so I say, man, I said, you know, maybe she's hungry in my mind. So I asked her if she needed a Snickers. Well, she still didn't, didn't smile, you know? I was like, man. And so uh, Amanda, this time she's kind of poking me in the ribs, you know, stop it, stop it. And so anyway, uh, she says, is there anything else I can get you? And I said, let me see that million dollar smile you got. And still nothing. You know, she just wouldn't look. And so I'm like, I'm almost there. And so Amanda, again, she's, she's going to spit in your food. Stop it. And I was like, I'm getting the buffet. She's not spitting in my food. She's spitting in your food. Uh, but anyway, so again, but there really are. There are people, they have this, they just, they really always, always down. You know, they're always mad. And some people, that's their mindset. They're just always rude. Well, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, for those of us who are Christians, you and I need to decide that our default attitude, our default mindset is going to be what the Word of God tells us it should be. As Christians, we are followers of God's Word. And so uh, that's one of the things that Paul is basically teaching about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, uh, we've talked about this all throughout this series, but the church in Thessalonica, they are, they are being persecuted. Things are tough. Things really are difficult for them. And it's easy when life is difficult. It's easy for us to get a bad attitude. Wouldn't you say so? It's easy for us to, to get negative and to get depressed when things aren't going our way. But Paul is trying to get the church to have an attitude of hope. He's trying to get them to have a mindset, again, that is according to God's word and is according to God's way. And so uh, in 1 Thessalonians, what you also need to know is that 1 Thessalonians is a response from Paul to the church in Thessalonica. They have written a letter to Paul, and they're asking some questions. And so Paul is addressing their concerns. And really, they are asking about two main problems or two main, two main issues. Uh, one of the issues is they want to know what happens to people when they die. See, they've had certain people that they are close to. They've had family members. They've had friends who have passed away, and some of them have passed away as a result of persecution. Remember, things are bad for them. And so they really want to know, hey, what's happening to them? What's going on with them right now? But the second thing that they want to know about is they want to know about specific judgment. But Paul answers those questions, but he doesn't really give them very, very direct specifics on those questions. What he does is he doesn't say, hey, here's what happened to your Aunt Susie. He doesn't say, here's what happened to your Uncle Bud who drinks a Bud and smokes the Bud. He doesn't do any of that. He just kind of what he does is he says, you know, you guys need to have the right attitude. 
you need to have the right attitude when it comes to those questions because Paul doesn't want to take on the job that's only reserved for Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to pronounce uh, condemnation. He doesn't want to do those things. So what he does is he lifts the conversation higher. And again, he says, have the right attitude about these questions. And so today, again, I want to talk to you about the right mindset. How do you and I have the right mindset? Three things if you want to write them down. The first one today, if you want to have the right mindset, is you need to stay ready. Everybody say, stay ready. All right. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, he is telling the church to stay alert. Just be ready because Jesus is coming back. How many of you are parents in, in the room today? You got kids. Some of y'all I know are kid, parents and you ain't raising your hand. You ought to claim your children, okay? They love you. All right. But what about this? How many? You got one kid. One kid, raise your hand. Uh, two kids, raise your hand. Three kids, raise your hand. Four kids, raise your hand. Oh, my, five kids trying to raise a baseball team. All right, okay, that's okay. Uh, but here we go. Let me, let me, let me kind of tell you something. Whenever, whenever, whenever we found out uh, that Brianna, our oldest child, was going to be born, man, we were excited, and I know you were too. And so we were really ready. You know, we, man, we prepared. We put a crib up. We uh, bought diapers. We had those locks, you know, that you put on your cabinets. You know what I mean? They look like ropes, and then they're so difficult to open that you actually can't get into your cabinets, too. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we had all of those things. We were, we were ready. We had a bag packed, you know, so that whenever, whenever it came time for Amanda to give birth, you know, I wasn't going to go, what in the world? I didn't have any idea that you were pregnant. I just thought you were eating a lot. You know what I mean? We really were. We were, we were ready. Uh, but when we had our second child, Sadie Kate, uh, you know, we thought we had plenty of time until her birth. How many parents, you know, you thought you had plenty of time? So, uh, Sadie Kate, again, Amanda had to go to the doctor just for a checkup, and uh, her blood pressure was high. So the doctor said, we're going to put you in a room just to kind of monitor you for a little while. And so we're like, okay. And so we're in this room. A couple hours pass. The doctor comes back in and says, all right, everything looks good. We're going to send you all back home. And I was like, praise God, I'm tired. And so, you know, we're sitting there waiting on them to come and give us the, the discharge papers or whatever they're called. And all of a sudden, it was like somebody turned over an aquarium or something like that. Or the, the floodgates from heaven opened up. I mean, water went everywhere. Amanda's water broke. And so she looks at me and she says, I think my water broke. And I'm in shock. I, I didn't know what to do. She's like, call the nurse. And I'm like, what's a nurse? I don't even know how to do this. She's like, press the button, press the button. And so we pressed the button. But again, we didn't have our bags packed. We didn't have anything. We, we thought we had more time. I don't even want to tell you all what was happening when Lawson was born. Man, oh man, we went, to the, we went to the doctor for a checkup again. And so after the checkup, everything was fine. Uh, but when we, I was, we were in Jackson, I said, well, man, while we're over here, I need to get an oil change for my truck, you know? And so I said, red arrows right down the road on Lakeland Drive. Not only can you get your oil change, but you can get that red arrow, shine, 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 and let it shine. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get your car washed. So I was like, I'm going to do that, okay? And so we go there. As we're going there, man, it's like, oh, I don't something's different. I don't feel right. Something's wrong. And so we get to the oil change place. Guy comes up to our car. He's like, uh, hey, can I help you? And Amanda's over there going, uh, and I was like, yeah, she thinks she's about to have a baby, but we got plenty of time, plenty of weeks. It's, this is early. And so I said, I need an oil change. The guy's like, he literally says, you know if I drain the oil out of your truck, you're going to have to wait until we get done. I was like, oh, yeah, man, we got plenty of time. She's not due for another week. So uh, they take the truck back. This is a true story. They take the truck back. Uh, obviously, they drain all the oil out. And so Amanda's in, she can't even sit down in the waiting room there. She's like, ah, yeah. And so right there in Red Arrow, man, she had Lawson. I'm just kidding. But... 
we did have to hurry up and get to the hospital. That would have been hilarious. But uh, we had to get to the hospital. But again, we just weren't ready. We weren't ready. Well, Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica, be ready. Just how you and I were ready for our firstborn child. Just how you and I were excited about it. We were looking forward to that day and we were making preparations. You know it's coming. Paul is saying, be ready. Jesus is coming back. We're not real sure when, but be ready. Look at verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, what Paul is saying is that some people are going to be surprised. It's going to surprise a lot of people. So he says, stay ready. Verse 2. Verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Paul is using a whole lot of uh, illustrations and word pictures here, but again, he's just trying to get them to understand Jesus is coming back. It says, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're not surprised. You know what's coming. Because you are ready. You have stayed ready. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, and let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Again, Paul is using a lot of illustrations here. And he's telling people, you have to pay attention. You have to stay ready. And what he's saying also is that you can't pay attention and you can't stay ready if you are living in a sinful state. You cannot focus on God and continue to satisfy your, your carnal needs. You cannot focus on God and continue to gratis, gratify, gratify your sinful desires. It's impossible. So Paul says you need to get rid of those things. He says get rid of those things and pay attention. Be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So what does a breastplate do? A breastplate, what it does in battle is it would protect your, your major organs, right? What does a helmet do? A helmet in battle would be there to protect what? Your, your brain, your brain. And so what Paul is telling us to do is to guard our heart, guard our thoughts. In Romans chapter 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind, guard your thoughts. If you really want to be safer in difficult times, you've got to put your hope in Jesus Christ. So he says this, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Now, verses 9 through 11 in that, in that passage, they're very, uh, very well-known verses. Those verses actually deal with eschatology. Everybody say eschatology. Yeah, it's a real fancy word. If you use that every now and then, people will think you're real smart, even if you're not. You know what I mean? Just talk about it. So what is eschatology? Eschatology is the study of in. Times. It is the study of end things. And again, Paul is trying to get the people of Thessalonica to understand, look, the bottom line is Christ is going to return. That's the bottom line. He's coming back. 
See, they wrote a letter to Paul wanting to know the date. They wanted to know the time. They wanted to know when. And Paul looks at them and says, look, about the date and time, I don't even need to write you about that. You just need to understand he's coming back. So walk in his presence today. Paul is saying, again, be ready. Stay ready. It could be in the morning. It could be at night. It could be at noon. But it could be soon. Be ready because Christ is going to return. Paul is saying, stay ready. And see, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so Paul said, stay ready. See, you may be ready today, but will you be ready tomorrow? Will you be ready the next day? Stay ready. Stay ready. When you and I understand that God loves us so much that he's coming back for us, that leads us really to the second mindset that I believe Paul wants us to have. Not only does he want us to stay ready, but he wants us to stay sacrificially devoted. Stay sacrificially devoted. This idea that you and I have a life that that uh, this this better life that awaits us and a bigger hope that really awaits us should lead us to be to be you know more sacrificially devoted here on earth the fact that we've got even better things waiting on us should lead us not to get so upset about things that happen here on earth because everything you and I have on earth will fade away it's going to fade away and so this type of sacrificial devotion it starts with guess who leaders starts with leaders Look at what verse 12 says. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Do you know what that means? It means you got to treat me nice. And you do. You really do. I'm so grateful for how loving you guys are to me. I'm so grateful to how loving uh, you are to my family. And man, I even had somebody write something about me the other day. They turned it in at their school. You know what I mean? As a, as a, a paper, this is the true thing. I didn't write this, even though I might've helped proofread it and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, so they had to write a, a, a paper about their role model. And guess who they said? I'm, just, I'm not, y'all just, get, I'm gonna read it, ready? Just a couple lines. My role model is my pastor. Pastor Robert Andrews, everybody say, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the way he does things. This is the best part. God looks down from heaven and says, why can't all humans be like him? <laughs> I didn't make this up, man. This is good. I'm telling you, man, you guys are nice to me. You are loving to me, and I appreciate it. I really, I really, I really do. But here's what I want you to understand. It's easy to be nice to the people who are out front. It really is. It's easy to be nice to the people who are on stage. It's easier to be nice to those people. Paul is the one who's basically out front for this church. He is. See, remember, they wanted Paul to be their pastor, but Paul couldn't come. And so who did Paul send? Paul sent Timothy, right? Paul sent Timothy, well, Paul isn't telling this church, hey, look, you need to honor Paul. Paul's not saying, hey, you need to honor me. That's not what Paul is saying. He's talking about honoring the hardworking people who might not be out front. He's talking about honoring the hardworking people who might not be in front of everyone, but they are serving people, doing their best to look after 
others. And I know that this might upset somebody. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Lord let me feel good about. People at our church, one of the people that does that, you know who it is? Is David Gunner. I don't know if y'all know him, man. And he doesn't want any kind of attention. But that man does a safety team. It's unbelievable. Last Sunday it was raining. How many of y'all, it was raining on you last Sunday? He had a team of volunteers. And guess what they were out there doing? They had umbrellas. Standing in the rain, they had umbrellas, and they were making sure that people got into the doors, make sure that they were okay. He was looking after them. Again, it's unbelievable. Paul is talking about people like that. Paul is talking about people like Heather Block, who works. So y'all can clap, seriously. Paul's talking about people like Heather who get here early to church every week and wash windows and wash doors and cleans up so that everything looks nice and everything is warm and inviting, man. And she, she gives like the best hugs. How many of y'all know that? Man, the best. And she doesn't do it just because she's like, oh, yeah, I got to do it. She genuinely loves people, man. She genuinely loves people. And, man, that's who Paul is saying, honor people like that. Paul's talking about honoring people like Bob and Sandy McAdam and Trudy Gunner who pass out candy every Sunday after church. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't know if the candy's for the kids, but I'm going to say every week I come home with a pocket full of gum to get me through the week. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I, it's unbelievable. They just want people to feel special and loved and valued, man. We've got so many people that come and work. Lisa Southern, every Sunday morning, wakes up early, and you know what she does? She makes coffee for you guys. It doesn't just show up magically. She serves, she prepares, and she does it with love. And y'all some coffee-drinking fools, man. Y'all drink that coffee. Y'all do. Y'all drink that coffee, and she does it again because she loves to serve. We've got so many other people here who organize people in our production booth, who organize people on the worship team, who organize people in our kids' ministry all over the church. Paul is saying people like that honor them. Honor them. Treat them with the utmost respect because they don't just serve at the church. They, they serve you. And they give you their life in service to God. They're giving you their time. Paul says, honor them. Look at verse 13. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Then he says, live in peace with each other. That's tough. Live in peace with each other? Think about this. Who's the most annoying person in your life right now? Some of y'all looked over. <laughs> I just wanted to hold your hand, honey. It's good to see you today. <laughs> right? But think about who's the most annoying person in your life right now. That's who God wants you to love the most. It is. The most annoying person in your life, that's who God wants you to love the most. If you say, well, I can't really think of any annoying person, you are the annoying person that everybody else is thinking. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Look at verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. So Paul says, if somebody's idle and they're disruptive, you can warn them. You need to do it in love, right? But you can warn them. Look what he goes on to say. He says this, encourage the disheartened. Encourage people. Why? Because we're all fighting some sort of battle. How many of y'all know life is not easy? If life is easy, you were born yesterday, okay? It, it's not easy. Life is hard. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. 
Everybody say everyone. Everyone? For real, God? Like, be patient with the people who do wrong? Everyone. Be patient with the people who make mistakes? Everyone. Be patient with the people who do wrong to you? Everyone. That's what it says. Be patient with them. Then he says in verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. You know what I know about everybody in here? You've been wronged at one point in your life. Probably more times than one. And Paul says, make sure. What's he saying there? This is a must, is what he's saying. Make sure. Make sure no one, no one repays wrong for wrong. And then he says, always strive, meaning do your best. Always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. The each other in this verse, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about us. It's talking about other believers, each other. But the everyone else, guess who that is? It's everyone else. That's what it means. Everyone else. Do good for each other and for everyone else. Why? Why? Here's what you got to understand. Because when you do, that's when God shows up. That's when God shows up. I remember one time I was at a gas station, and I could see this man and this woman in the car really next to the pump that I was in, and I could tell they were in distress. I could tell that they needed some help, but in my mind, I thought, man, I ain't got no time for that. I need to hurry up, gas up, and go home. Anybody ever been there? Just me? Pray for me. Okay. So I'm sitting there gassing up, and I heard a voice inside of me say, you need to check on them. And so I told that voice inside of me, you need to leave me alone. And God was like, oh, no, sir. I said, okay. So I go over to the car, and I, I, I guess it's husband and wife. And I said, hey, are you guys okay? They said, oh, yeah, we're fine. Thanks, you know. But I, I could still tell something wasn't fine. So I went back over to the pump, and I was like, I did it, God. I did what you told me to do. And God said, no, you didn't. So I said, man. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, I, I don't know why, but I really feel like I'm supposed to help y'all. Are you sure you're okay? Is something wrong? And immediately they both started crying. Immediately they both started, they both started crying, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And they said, we're completely out of gas. They made it to a gas pump, but they were out of gas. And they said, we've been at this pump for a while now. And they said, we're out of gas, we're out of money, and again, they're just crying. And a man who was in the, car, in the driver's seat said, I got laid off from my job. I'm trying to, we're trying to get to her parents' house because they said we could come. But we just don't, we're out of money. We're out of, we're out of everything. And I said, you know what? Well, I can put some gas in your car. And they said, man, I hate to ask you to do that. And I said, you didn't ask me to do it. I said, God told me to. And when I said that, he said, What? And he started crying more. And I said, yeah, you didn't ask me to. God told me to. And he said, man, with tears in his eyes, a man crying to another man. That don't happen a whole lot, right? He looks at me and he says, man, I'm not a real religious person. He said, but I am at the end of my rope. And he said, and I was sitting here and I prayed, God, if you are real, you're going to have to prove it to me. God, if you're real, you're going to have to do something. 
And in my mind, I'm thinking, had I just walked away, I wouldn't have proved to this individual that God was real. And so I put some gas in his car, and I said, hey, where are you guys going? And he told me where he was traveling. And I said, well, here's a little bit of money. I don't usually carry any cash, but here's a little bit of money. I said, you can use it to get your food on the way there, or you can use it to get you some more gas on the way there. And so he said, man, he said, why would you do this? And I said, I didn't do it. God did. God did this. Listen to me. You know what happens, again, when we do good for everyone else? You know what happens when we look for the opportunities to do good? God shows up. God shows up again. I almost missed it. This person almost missed it. Look for the opportunities to do good. Look for the opportunities to stay sacrificially devoted. God shows up and he shows out when you and I look for the opportunity to sacrifice for others. So Paul is saying the right mindset, really how you and I need to behave, really how you and I need to be. We need to stay ready. We need to stay sacrificially devoted. And the third thing, finally, that Paul says is you need to stay busy. You need to stay busy. Remember that idle hands and stuff like that? Stay busy. How many of you coming up, you had some chores around the house that you had to do? Yeah, a lot of folks. You know what's wrong with a lot of kids nowadays? They don't have chores. Man, I was talking to somebody here at the church the other day, and they told me something. I couldn't even believe it. I had to Google it. You know what I'm saying? If it's on Google, it's got to be true. You know, there are some colleges who require students to take courses that are called life skills now. And you know what they learn in life skills? How to do laundry, how to operate a microwave, how to cook. What? Why do they? They're 20 year olds, man, don't know how to do that? What in the world? If that's you, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to learn, right? What in the world, man, when I was coming up, I had chores. My mom gave me chores, and it wasn't so I could get allowance, you know? It wasn't so I could get some money. It was so I could stay in the house. Mama, can I turn the air on? You better go vacuum. You know, I mean, man, it was because I wanted a place to stay, man. Kids need chores. Well, do you know that God has a chore list for you? If you're his child, he's got a chore list for you. Paul talks about them right here. See, think about this. I don't know if you're like me. I'm pretty sure you are. But if I'm going to go on a trip, if I'm going to go out of town, I want to clean the house before I go out of town. Why? Because when I come back, I don't want to come back to a mess. Right? I want to come back to order. And it's the same way for God. God wants to come back. When Christ comes back, he's coming back. When he comes back, he wants to come back to what? To order. Order in his house, order in his church. And so look at what Paul says our chore list is. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is for you? You want to know what God wants you to do in this world? He wants you to rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, here's what he says in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. What's that mean? 
What's it mean to quench the spirit? You know what that word quench means? That word quench means to extinguish, to put out. How do you put out the spirit? You put out the spirit when you stop rejoicing always. When you stop praying continually. And when you stop giving thanks in all circumstances, Paul says you quench the spirit. He says, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. You know what that means? Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what other preachers are telling you. Don't just believe it. Test it. Go back to the word and read it. That's why you need to be reading your Bible every day, continually, consistently, and persistently. You need to be in God's word. Test them all. Hold on to what is good. Then he says, reject every kind of evil. Reject. How many of y'all ever seen a show like American Idol, something like that? Yeah. Well, there's another show. I can't remember what it's called, but they have like an X, a buzzer. Who might know what I'm talking about? You know, if somebody's doing it. What's it called? Yeah, yeah. America's Got Talent. There you go. Boom. So anyway, so here's what they do. Somebody will come out there. They'll start dancing. They'll start singing. They'll be doing something else. And then sometimes some judges are like, reject. No, not today. You're terrible. Get out of here. That's what rejection means, right? That's what rejection means. Well, that's what you and I need to do to every kind of evil. Burr, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. Get away. Burr, get it out. Reject every kind of evil. Then Paul just starts to bless them. Look at verse 22, 23. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that we'll continue to be holy, that we'll continue to become who God wants us to become. Verse 26, greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Look at the person sitting next to you. Give them that smile. And now look at the person that smiled and say, uh-uh, it ain't happening, okay? In your dreams. He says, greet everybody with a holy kiss. Verse 27, and I'm wrapping up. Watch this. Paul says, I charge you. We're almost done. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So Paul has given this chore list. He said, be happy, put a smile on your face. Life may be hard. But Christ is returning. God wants to be with you forever. You are more loved than you will ever know. And what God is preparing for you is beyond your wildest imagination. Rejoice. Be happy. Be happy. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep thanking God. Thank God for all the good things in your life instead of focusing on the four or five bad things that are there. You've got so much to be thankful for. Paul says, keep thanking God. Keep listening for the Holy Spirit. Continue to do what's right. Be holy. And Paul says, add me to the prayer list. You know what I think Paul would say to each and every one of us? Is that we need to add someone specific to our prayer list. It's amazing what will happen in the life 
in your life, but also in the life of the person that you're praying for, if you'll just add somebody individually, very specifically, and you'll pray for them. And the last thing that Paul says is spread this letter. It's important. You know what Paul is trying to tell us today? Spread the good news. Spread the good news. Be outward focused. See, you and I have a unique opportunity to do that very thing this week. You and I have a unique opportunity to invite people to church on Easter. You and I have, again, this incredible opportunity to spread the good news. Paul says, I charge you before the Lord, spread this letter. I charge you before the Lord, spread this gospel. Listen to me. You and I, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a letter written by God in regards to his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. Spread the letter. Spread the letter. Spread the letter so that when people see what God has done for you, they'll know what God can do for them. Stay ready, stay sacrificially devoted, and stay busy. That's the mindset that God would want us to have. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I know today for me, in my life, sometimes I get so distracted. I get distracted by life. I get distracted by myself. I get lazy when it comes to really doing what God would have me to do. Maybe that's not just you of some time in your life. Maybe right now that's you for all of your life because you've yet to surrender to God. You've yet to give Him your life. Maybe you think your life isn't worth receiving. That when God looks at you, He doesn't have love for you because maybe there's been other people in this world who just haven't loved you. I want you to know today, he loves you more than you'll ever know. And so if today you want to accept his love, and if today you want to receive Christ into your heart and your life, if today you want to be saved, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Father, I surrender to you. And I ask that you would come into my heart. That you would make me into a new person. Father, that you would help me to have joy, joy unspeakable. So that when people see me now, they'll know that I am completely different. They'll know that I am yours, Father. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Thank you. 
Again, every head bowed and every eye closed. But if you prayed that prayer today to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wonder if right where you are, you'll lift your hand so I can know. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for saving. Father, I pray for each and every other person in this room. Father, that you would help us to think about the way we live our life. That you would help us to think about the mindset that we have. Father, and help us to have the mindset that your word tells us to have. Thank you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.